Hey, it's Desiree. Do you have a question you want answered on the podcast? Well, email us at fadersuppodcast at yahoo.com or DM us on Instagram at fadersuppodcast. This is the Faders Up Podcast. Welcome to the Faders Up Podcast. <laughs> Damn it, man. Well, Pat, Pat started like, I started laughing because I was like, what if Desiree just comes in with that voice right now? I don't know what y'all talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here chilling trying to do this show. <laughs> oh, bro. Oh, man. Oh, bro. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> welcome oh, to the Faders. Welcome to the Faders Up Podcast. I'm Zar. I'm Pat. I'm Desiree. It's your boy O'Shea. And this is a podcast about pro audio and beyond. If you have a question you want answered on the podcast, you can reach us at FadersUpPodcast at Yahoo.com. You can hit us on Instagram at Faders Up Podcast, and you can join our Facebook group at Faders Up Podcast. All guests and hosts that appear on the show, social media will be in the show notes. Uh, so this episode, we are going to talk about the passing of Rupert Neve, uh-huh. as well as uh, some new products that were announced. Uh, I wouldn't say at Nam, but outside of Nam, but it's a whole nother uh, story there. But of course, we're going to start. Uh, I'm going to start by getting to our segment of who's been pushing faders up. Uh, so, uh, Pat, how you been pushing faders up? Just been making beats and, you know, organizing. Good stuff, man. Short and sweet, O'Shea? Super sweet. Yeah. Super Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just been working on, uh, honestly, doing a lot of research. So, as I... Regular listeners know I teach a course at Belmont University called Hip Hop Production Techniques. Um, and so it's just been good for me just doing research on my own and, you know, looking at some of the history of hip hop and different sampling techniques and learning new stuff myself and figuring out ways to integrate that, you know, into the course. So just doing that, um, it's just dope Instagram page called Songs and Samples that kind of shows you like how people are flipping samples, you know, like it'll play the original, then it'll play, you know, the hip hop version and show you what they did. So that's kind of cool. So did just you see the on. one they posted with J. Cole? I seen if I seen like three J. Cole joints. Yeah, this one was uh Gab Me Up All Night, that one. Oh when ah I, I probably said like five it's like five sounds. I was yeah. pissed. I want to my computer. Yeah, I love how they do that. Even because a lot of time with samples, like they're doing like little subtle stuff where you're like, oh, you know, it's like, and that's what I love about sampling because it's like people hear our brains interpret the music different ways, right? Like you hear what somebody else did. You're like, oh, I would have never thought to do that with that sample, right? So, like I said, just researching stuff for teaching a hip-hop class as well as just, you know, playing around with samples myself. And like Pat, trying to get organized. So, uh, what about you, Desiree? Well, I was just on kind of what y'all have been on, just really getting my my workflow, my organization together. Like, I'm working on a task of just organizing 12,000 sounds that I have. And it's really, it's been an eye-opener because I've had these sounds forever and really just getting into producing the way I am. I'm like, man, I should have, I've been bullshitting, basically. Mm. Going through all these sounds and finding these samples that I've had for a while. So I've been doing that. Um, Man, just getting just deeper into the things I uh, have to create. So, um I got the Launchpad Pro, and I mean, this thing is a beast. Like, I upgraded from the X to the Pro, 
for two reasons. Um, one, I didn't know the Pro was lo- uh, compatible with Logic at the time. And then two, it's also a MIDI controller. So I can control my TC Helicon and I think maybe my Roland with this launch pad. Like it can, um, it can act as a keyboard. It can, of course, act as a drum pad. It's super easy to automate. I've always been looking for something to automate with easily, and it's so easy to automate with. I think it really is a game changer. And between that and um, I'm thinking of getting rid of my arcade subscription. Really? Yes. Because for two reasons. I've probably had it for at least a year, and that's at least $100 paid to them for something I really don't use every time. I use it often. But like when it comes to actually going in and digging for the samples that they have, I use them, but I don't use them every time. I'm u- I'm finding myself uploading my own samples, mm. you know. And when you even when you cancel the subscription, you can still you keep the player. I think you can even keep the kits you download. I'm not sure. I have to double check that. Um, oh, Pat's not in his head. Yes. So that's kind of my plan. I'm gonna download a whole bunch of kits and then. Cancel it. I mean, because, I'm all because, for it. I don't, yeah, I don't know if a, they will work the same, but yeah. what you mean? Um, I don't, I don't know how you would use those outside of the player. I haven't experimented with it yet. Like the loops they that you can download from them. Mm-hmm. I don't. Not, I haven't uh, tried to. Use it without arcade. That's all I'm saying. Mean no the samples or no. She, you can she keep not, the yeah. You can hmm. keep the players. She's not talking about trying to use the samples like in a different sampler. She's just talking about if oh, she okay. cancels it. For example, let's say I download all the drip packs. Right, if hmm. I cancel my subscription, I should still be able to play the ones I downloaded inside of arcade. Right, like that's what you told us before. That's what I think because we did go yeah. over that like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So between that and uh, uploading my own samples, and I finally got us uh, the launch pad came with a two month free splice uh, subscription. Oh, nice. Right, and I mean that's all I need, and it's uh, a little cheaper than arcade too. So I'm like, man, between splice, and I have the player. The player is sick. I'm. They might cancel my arcade subscription. So, you know what? When you first go to cancel it, their re- their automated retention department is ba- at least for me is basically it basically gave me two more free months just to persuade me to stay. Uh, what what about you, Zar? How you been pushing faders up? I've uh, been doing. I've done reviews for two. Waves products, which we'll discuss later, uh, with Vocal Bender and uh, NX Nashville Ocean Way. Uh, I'm looking to get some new monitors, so I'm researching different monitors now. I've just, I don't know, I think I've had these Presonus Acceptor S6s for, I don't know, maybe five or six, maybe even seven years. It's been a while, but I don't know. I'm feeling like it's time to upgrade them. Um, and I got a shotgun mic, which one of the another podcast that I'm uh, recording for someone and they're doing video too. And it's my first time doing a video podcast for someone. And I had some, I had two Roswell mini K 87s that I put up in the booth to record the audio for it. And it came out. Okay. But I was just like, man, what I really need is shotgun mic. So I got a, a Sennheiser MKE 600, uh, which sounds fantastic. I'm really impressed with it. So not only would I be able to do uh, use it to record the audio for uh, that video podcast, but I'll also be able to use it in my YouTube videos as well now. Upgrades. Always needed. That's one, again, a true a true trooper in audio engineering because that's like such an, another niche thing that you need just to do that one thing because... Yeah, a regular, like a mic like this, like a dynamic mic, just pointing it at somebody while shooting videos, not going to get you the same result as a good shotgun mic. I had to learn that the hard way. 
Yeah, they uh, they wanted to do the lavalier mics, and I was like, I'm not kidding. I have one lavalier mic, but it's a it's not a wireless one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm not getting wireless lavalier mics. And there, ooh, I remember I was on a, I did a 48 hour shoot of um 48 hour film shootout. Yeah. I was the uh, sound person, and oh my god, shoot me in the foot! Like having different having different actors mic'd with uh, different systems because I didn't have a wireless system either. And they, I had to sync up like three different SD cards. <sighs> Shit was a nightmare. <laughs> so yeah, a little backdrop on that. We have a listener question here uh, from, is it Alice? Elise? Corley? Don't get me to pronounce it wrong. Alice? But, uh, Unique but he name. Wa- I apologize if we're saying it incorrectly. All right. But uh, he <laughs> wants to know, uh, do you master your beats? He says that it sounds better when he just mixes them and exports them and doesn't master them. Uh, show enough is my answer to the first question. Get it? Show enough. Who's the master? Anyway, um, no, Pat, you get it, man. Barry Gordy's the last. <laughs> Pat, Pat gets it. That's a cult classic. If y'all ain't never seen Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon with Show Enough, the show gonna haul him. Go look it up. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so I definitely master my beats. Um, when he says that his sounds better when he just mixes them and exports them and not master i'm wondering if so if you're saying it sounds better then that means he's tried to do mastering before so i'm wondering if he just didn't master it correctly because i feel like a properly mastered song should sound a little better than the mix song but sonically it shouldn't be that big of a difference right the main thing you should just hear a little bit a loudness and polish if you mix it right that's how i look at it i kind of think kind of on the same lines like mastering what you have to remember is a whole and i'm speaking to our, to the uh our listener here is a whole different uh mindset than mixing because i came across that a lot i would make a beat or something and mix it pretty decent i would say and then try to master it not really you know, I would, you know, do the normal throw a multiband compressor, throw a limiter, another compressor maybe, and it would sound worse. I'm like, this sounds like crap. Why does it sound worse? And after digging into mastering more, um, I understood that, like O'Shea is saying, it's more of the subtleties when it comes to mastering. So if you approach mastering the way you approach mixing, which your mixes might sound really good, your the mastering is going to uh, take away from if you, like I said, if you approach mastering like mixing, it's going to take mastering is going to take away from your mix, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think he's probably overdoing it with the master. Uh, my answer to the question: I've I don't master my beats. Um, I guess in my opinion, it shouldn't be mastered until it's been the vocals have been recorded, mixed, and then go to mastering. I throw a limit on it and call it a day. I'm not sure, but um. I'm quite certain that he's putting a mastery on the track to make it louder. And so what's happening is he's getting, and I'm only saying this because I've had this experience before where I've mixed the track and exported it. And then I got a track that I put a mastering chain on. And my exported track is louder than my mastering track. So I think that's what he's referring to more so. Yeah, I think he's only putting a mastering on the track to make it louder. And what's happening is he's making it louder, but it doesn't sound as good. And it's probably because he's not... Probably squeezing it too much. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's just my perspective. Because I, I I do put a mastering on every track. I and put I a think, mastering on all my tracks because of that reason alone. Because of how loud people want to hear stuff. Exactly, I mean, and that was the point I was about to make to what Zara was saying. Like, yeah, yeah, real deal mastering should 
come after the song is done. But if you putting your stuff online or you're sending emails out, like they already have a frame of reference in their mind. So you don't want to send people beats that haven't been mastered because when they listen to your beats right after they've listened to 10 other producer beats that have been mastered, you may be the better producer with the better sound, but psychologically louder is better. I'm not saying literally, but in our brains, we think the louder one is better if all other things are equal. And and what what I guess the to the people who say you shouldn't put a master on there, what you gotta also understand is even if I put a master on their track and I send it out, if that person is really gonna do that song, they're gonna ask me for the stamp. For the stamp, exactly. So it's just it's just you're putting you're making the track as loud as possible to give them the remnants of how it would sound like a preview finished product. Yes. Like a preview of this is what it could sound like. Correct. Now, now from Zar perspective, from somebody that records hip hop artists a lot, I do admit I hate when artists come in with beats that have already been mastered as an engineer. But as a producer, I'm saying I'll do the same thing anyway, but I will admit and this is not arrogance, but I like to think that I'm probably doing a better job of it than with these cats that's pulling beats off of YouTube. That's just my opinion. Correct. And I'll say that, you know, and I do when I do beats, I do put a limiter on it. And but when I say that I don't master and it's very possible that he could be saying he could be talking about that. Cause everybody has a like Desiree said, if you don't really look into the research of mastering, you could be thinking you mastering something you really not. Mm. Good point. That's what, yeah, that's what I was gonna get it. When I think of mastering, I think of like literally going in, listening to this and mastering it, uh, adjusting EQ, compression, all of this as if I'm mastering it. That's what I'm saying. I do not now, do see I have all those things on my mastering channel. Do you set up a, a submix um, or are you just placing a chain on your stereo out uh, bus? So I have a chain on my stereo, but I don't even apply it until the very end. So I mix and then I bus everything to separate channels like sounds, drums, and then I do a parallel compress on the drums. And then I get the mix where I want it on the meter. And then I apply the master chain, you know, that makes one sense. by one. And then get it where I want it to be loud-wise because I already know the sound is where I want it. You know, say so I might want to pull some highs out more, something <laughs> like this. But rarely ever because I'm like, They'll do all this over again. Like I'm right, not gonna right. overthink this stuff. I'm not gonna overthink. Yeah. I need to go for what I'm originally trying to go for is I'm just I just want my track to compete with the other tracks from the people who don't know how to mix and just make their stuff loud. <laughs> so it makes a difference. Yeah. yeah. That's that's how I was the first time someone asked me to mix a beat, and I was like, why? Once they record it, it's gonna be mixed again. You know, people will not pick your beats if they ain't hitting hard enough. Yeah. And to to make it even more realistic for you, just imagine being in the studio, you got an artist or two, and then you in there with a bunch of producers, and it's like, what beat I'm recording on? And just imagine playing your beat, and then that next producer play his beats, and he making you sound like, yeah, uh, like- a little baby. Yep. <laughs> like a little kid. So look, so do y'all consider what I do by just putting a limiter on it? Are are we considering that mastering? I don't. I don't. Okay. Because I do. I do this. But same. at first, I did. So that's why I'm yeah. saying that. Like in the beginning, I did think because I would just do a little level. I would level, and I a lot of times I wouldn't even put an EQ. I would level. And then throw the L1 or L2 on there. Yeah, I would call that a rough day. I would call that a rough master, just like how we do rough mixes. 
I would so, say just throwing a limiter on would be the is a rough master. Cause cause watch this though. What I notice about that is when I when I just level, and if I cut, if I pull that um, uh, what is that knob? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, the threshold on the L one, yeah. On the L one, if you pull it down too far, it will make your beat sound like boo boo crackers. <laughs> And it sound bad, so it's very much possible that he could be talking about that too. Yeah, mm. it's a magic touch sort of thing, and mm. I think if if that's what you, if that's what this person is doing, I would suggest revis- always revisiting the mix because I do the exact same thing for my beats. I throw a quick L one. Uh, I usually do the L one maximizer by waves because I also dither, even if it's a like. I'm just saying this to somebody. We should not underestimate the power of dithering. But um, if you find that you place a limiter on it and you start to hear nastiness, explore your mix. Something isn't going right because you should, in theory, be able to throw something on there and everything just kind of glistens. That's what you're expecting. And that's not happening. And that's when you, I think you got to go back to the golden rule of mix like there's no mastering. So when you do yeah. do something simple, I said do do. If you do something simple, like just throwing an L1 on there, it'll still give you that effect. And I would say don't, for me... And I use a, and I say this knowing I use a lot of bottom end in my beats. My beats are super eight oh eight kick bass heavy. Um, I gotta so I hear you, your beats. I I don't think I've ever heard one of your beats. I, I definitely want to hear your stuff. Oh, I appreciate it. I gotta. I'm still building up a repertoire so that I can like just release stuff over and over. Right. I don't have much to stand by yet, but I'm working on it. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah. Especially if you're a real bottom heavy producer, make sure your bottom end is good. And I wouldn't bring the, I wouldn't bring the ceiling. I would bring the ceiling down to like negative three. I wouldn't bring the threshold threshold lower than negative two, you know. And just so it touches it. And if you feel like you still need more volume after that, shoot, use a EQ to bring up the volume from there. Right. You know, don't just turn up the stereo fader. Yeah. Um, it's and a balancing act. All right, we're going to get into some of these new products uh, announced. And so kind of as I predicted, uh, these products didn't come out at NAM or associated with NAM, but that didn't stop companies from you know announcing new products. And some of these were even announced after, after NAM. But, but we're starting with the uh, Roland MV1 Burst Lab, which this one I think actually was announced as a part of NAM. But... Roland has jumped into, or maybe should I say back into? Because I know we had uh, the MV8000. Yeah, and that was like supposed to be like the NPC, I won't say NPC killer, but it was the same type of product. So this, the MV Verse Lab is a, which to me seems similar to machine as well as MPC. So to me, they're getting into that space. I think that it's competitively priced at seven hundred dollars. But yeah. the the biggest thing to me that this has that the MPC and machine doesn't have is a step sequencer, as well as a XLR input that you can plug your own mic into. You now, you said the MPC and the machine. Yeah. Now the MP the flagship MPC has an XLR has a mic. Not now. I mean about the step sequencer. M- machine does have a step sequencer. I mean, not okay. a dedicated one. Like, if you're using it with the software, and I don't know about the Machine Pro yet, but if you're using it with the software, you can turn the 16 pads into a step sequence. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Um, uh, with the Verse Lab, you see it's got that onboard right, right, right. sequence. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. So, yeah, okay. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I was saying. I definitely like the, the build of it, like the actual what do you call it? Not the case, but whatever the outside, like it looks sexy. It definitely looks like something I wouldn't mind spending time with. Y'all know me, man. If I'm be spending hours looking at something, it's got to be visually appealing, right? So it look, it definitely looks sexy. I think from what I'm seeing, and from, shut up, man. <laughs> from what I'm seeing and what I read, it looks like it's standalone too. Like there is a, a iOS app that you can use with it, but from the videos I've seen, it looks standalone too. 
And I know we kind of, I'm defining standalone right now as you don't need computer software for it. Now, whether it has a battery or a plug, I don't know. But um, it definitely yep. caught my attention. And that $700 puts it right there with the NPC one, which I think goes for 700. Yeah, I no, I agree. I would call it, I would say standalone too, to me means that you don't need a computer to use it. Uh, so I would definitely agree that it's, it's standalone. Uh, the, now see it's got MIDI on the back of it as well. Mm. I'm concerned about a possible track limitation though. Like it's eight tracks. Yeah. See, I, yeah, I don't like that because I'm reading from the website. It said four tracks for drums. Mel- melodic parts are two instrument tracks plus a dedicated. Cat gave two thumbs down. Yeah. As soon as you put the track limitations on it, I'm like, like what? And you're telling me what the tracks are used for? Like, don't tell me, hey, here's your track for bass. No, I should be able to put it wherever I want. Right. So that kills some of my excitement and anticipation about it but i don't think that makes it a deal breaker depending on where you are in your production career and what your goals are right like that definitely something i could take with me on the road take with me on an airplane you know and then i'm sure uh, it has an option where i can export my stuff to a to a memory card and then you know transfer it to the DAW of my choice at home. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it looks very interesting, man. It, it looks sexy though. I ain't going to, man, that layout look, look clean, boy. Yeah. No shade want to lay out. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You're, you're lusting man. on a Sunday. Man, it's, 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 uh, gear, gear lust, man. I, uh, is this is this a deal breaker? I uh, I watched someone's uh, review on it, and they said it does not have an undo button. Oh, hey. wait, what? It's <laughs> a deal breaker. So they don't have you non-destructive have audio edit. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't you know how they want you to deal with that. That's I'm a deal breaker. Now. Yeah, I don't see undo on. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I say this as a Roland fan. I'm a true Roland fan. Um, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I love Roland. They make good stuff. I think they make good stuff. They have classic sounds from their real sense to the FA06 mm-hmm. I have. I just think f- if that's what you're looking for, Roland has better options. Now, as for, and, and again, I've never used um, a standalone sequencer, like with the little buttons that like go across and they light up and let you know where they where it is in the bar or whatever. I've never used one of those. So I'm not keen to that. I prefer more things that give me more melodic capability um so for me personally i think um roland has better options as far as a portable beat making machine um yeah like i personally like their sp404 like you can play into it and you can do some really cool transitional effects but you know that's just my personal take on it i wasn't too excited about this product and you got anything to say Nope, that undo might be a deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. That undo between undo and eight tracks. My drums are normally More than eight, eight tracks. tracks. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I can't do nothing with that. And you know, so I think tra- having a travel machine is a little bit overrated. Mm. You know, I've I've very much tried to make beats on a plane and. I look up and I'm sitting there asleep with my laptop <laughs> open and it don't seem to work out. Something about a plane just makes me sleepy. Yeah, I always go to sleep on by myself. So yeah. me getting something just so I could make a beat on the plane. Uh, uh. But but it's not <laughs> but it's not just about the plane, right? It's about once you get to wherever you're going. But yeah. if you're already doing most of your stuff on a laptop in a in a small mini controller, then I mean, I guess you yeah. no point. Honestly, the the way I've been practicing, I could I can go to the studio with my laptop, no controller, nothing, and I can get busy. Where like mm-hmm. now that that's my other skill I've been working on in the pandemic is if you don't have a controller, what do you do? I'm gonna make a beat. On my Command computer. K. 
So yeah, yes. that's why I'm gonna ask. So have you been drawing in the notes or using an actual typing keyboard and logic? Uh, I do a little bit of both. Okay, you know I mix and match here. Command K, K, and you know press the actual letters, and then I do a little drawing and placing and stuff. Yeah, word. Man, so yeah, awesome. why I need this for? <laughs> My Man. computer look lighter than that. <laughs> Past mood totally shifted. <laughs> like at first yeah. it was cool. Then it was like, ah, no one do. Ah, eight tracks. Then after that, you're like, what I need this crap for, I'm man? I'm better than this. <laughs> this is beneath me. Hell yeah. I still yeah, want to try it. I just, I just don't, y'all know how I am. I don't believe in getting stuff I don't need. Right. Like if it don't make me, if it ain't going to change my life, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Man, it changed my life. <laughs> That's how I feel about this LP. This LP has changed everything. Yeah, see, if it changed your life, get it. Mm -hmm. But if it don't, don't get it. Don't waste your money. $700, that's somebody's rent. Mortgage, some people's lights. Let's move on to the uh, next product we got here is uh, Synchro Arts has announced Vocal Line Ultra, and this is replacing... Uh, Vocal Line Pro 4, I believe was the product name. But I was really excited about this because not only does it time align, but it it does pitch as well at the same time. So mm. I think we've all had, you know, as rappers, I feel like it's easier to to stack or double your parts. But singing, having to stack that as well as staying on pitch at the same time is, in my opinion, more difficult. But uh, I've uh, go ahead. No, I got a question. Go ahead. I, I have. I've I've demoed it and went ahead and purchased it, but it has. I think for a lot of the pop vocals and stuff that I do, I think it's gonna because I don't like to do a lot of vocal tuning. But if there is a phrase or something that's been stacked that's a little out of tune, you can easily do it uh, with Vocal Line Ultra. It's a huge upgrade. I have project or had project which was kind of hit or miss to me. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but uh, this Vocal Line Ultra has been very reliable for me so far. Do singers still stack vocals? Um, I still get stuff. I'm saying this as a person that don't record as much as I used to. That's why I ask. Um, not the whole verse. So okay. no, I, I have stuff I get to mix. It's not the whole verse or if it was, I'm muting it, but, uh, <laughs> normally it's background vocals. Uh, and you, and you know, that brings up another thing for all our listeners out there. It's like, we talk about like staying current with your sounds and stuff, but we also have to stay current with recording techniques, right? Like what I'm noticing now, people like rappers don't, don't stack. You know what I'm saying? Like phrases for emphasis as much as they used to. Like now, it's like they use because they're mumbling. How can you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, well for for some for some of them, right? But like even um, shots fired, right? Like for for example, like like Meat Mill, just for an example, right? Like he doesn't stack a lot of his vocals. Like what I notice a lot of rappers do now, they use the delay. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they might not stack the phrase, you know, for emphasis, but they'll put an echo on it or whatever. So I think it's like now I still hear artists, rappers that still stack in certain phrases. Right. So it's like being being flexible. Like I personally still do it. Right. But it's like but I got to be aware of what's going on because I don't want to keep doing it for the next three years. And then people can tell. Man, man, that old producer right there, you know. So I think most now I I haven't heard a mainstream song in a while with a stack vocal, mm. especially rap. Yeah, and and I mean, I hate to even go here, but I mean, when when it comes down to rappers, I always think of when you think of rappers like think of all the great the great i said they were great all the great rappers you know they have distinct vocals mm-hmm. distinct facts and because they have distinct vocals to me stacking is uh it's a confidence thing 
Mm. And what I mean by that is you're stacking your vocal because you're not confident in your vocal alone. Right. Now, when we say, just to make sure we're using the same language. Now, when you say stack, in your mind, are you thinking about like an entire verse being stacked or you're talking about like doing in and outs, like like just to emphasize certain phrases throughout the verse? Because that's uh, what I'm, I'm talking to, I'm talking about I'm for to, emphasis. Yeah, I, I, I'm talking about more so doubles, but even that too, oh, I like I don't... I don't even I don't even hear a lot of in and outs anymore. Now on an independent level, I hear a lot of them. But on a mainstream level, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Like they not they coming in there, they laying their vocal and they getting out, letting the engineer do his thing. You know, if the engineer wanna hear something louder, they can do it. Like, <laughs> like you you get I guess they're giving the engineer less vocals to play with and letting the engineer use their creativity, I guess, to make up for what's missing. That's that's a good point because back when I was dealing with this one rapper who I have since deferred to Czar, and I think y'all have had a great thing going, and I'm glad about that. He With him, I will say that I feel he does have to double his vocal because the way he does it, he does his lead vocal and then his double in a different tone. Yeah, he does. To give it a, a certain type yeah, sound. A texture. Oh, maybe. yeah, I've heard oh, that. Check this out. So Kendrick check this Lamar out. Does that. Is that it, but is that not a confidence thing? No, nah, I think that's an effect thing. Yeah, I think it's him just trying to sound different. Yeah. In the past, I've heard of people, and I've asked them, like, why are you doubling but the vocal? Kendrick, and they- Kendrick, I think Kendrick does it because he's melody-driven. Right, so it's a creative artistic choice or influence. Yeah. yeah. Back to uh, the vocal line ultra. Oh, yeah. Did, yeah. Um... Back to that. <laughs> so do you have any thoughts on it, Desiree? Um, no, I, I think it's a cool tool. I, I'm not recording that much other than myself and maybe somebody else. So, and I kind of like the randomness of having different vocals so I've never had a need to line vocals up perfectly but I can see needing it should I get to a point of I'm really recording vocals again mm-hmm. um it seems like a good tool especially for singers because I do know some um a lot of singers do their own background vocals and depending on the kind of song that you're making like electronic music uses a lot of backing vocals and people will make their own uh, so depending on how tight or loose you want that, I can see vocal line being a good tool for that. Mm-hmm. I'll move on to the uh, Rupert Neve Designs, which this one kind of came out of nowhere to me in the, in the fact that Rupert Neve Designs announced the 5057 summing mixer, which is a 16 by 2 analog summing mixer. I kind of feel that summing mixers have, uh, I guess, kind of passed their prime now i don't see a lot of people making summing mixers anymore so i'm surprised to see a new one in 2021 i literally learned what a summing mixer was last year and i've been engineering for about five years (laughs) that was the cherry on the cake to said i'm out i'm out because a summing mixer is such a heavy um and expensive piece of equipment that i almost feel like is necessary but with all the plugins that we have these days, not too many people can tell. I do like the price range of this. I like the fact that it is a Neve product and it's uh, just at $2,000. Most summing mixers are an easy $3,500 to $4,000. So that's a decent price range. Especially when that's 16 channels, that also gives you, it has the silk the control that Neve is known for that's going to add some, you know, saturation and harmonics that you can either add or bypass that altogether. But these other summing mixers, you're either going to get a clean sound out of them or they're going to have transformers in them and it's going to color your sound regardless of what you do. Mm. But I may, I use analog summing. I have a dangerous D box and I don't know. It's, it's still, I don't know. I haven't heard of, I mean, I know people still use analog summing, but to see a new one come on the market, I don't know. We'll see how, how popular this is, but I just kind of feel like 
analog summing with its, you have to know signal flow to really understand analog summing and set it up to get it to work. And a lot of times you need more than just a summing box. You need a interface that has that amount of channels on it that you can use for summing. You need good converters too. And we gotta have converters. And we, we overlook that sometimes. I know. I'm kind of excited for this though. Like I, I'm a fan of Rupert Neve Designs stuff, uh, but I don't know. It's just weird to see a summing mixer. And I feel like, you know, this would have or should have came out, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, kind of when summing mixers were kind of at its at its peak. I just don't see people making summing mixers anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I personally, I mean, that's something where if I'm flipping through a catalog of stuff, like I'll glance at that, I'll look and be like, ooh, then I'll be like, nah. Like I'll move to something, one, that's, you know, more of my price range and two, just something that I feel like I would get more use out of. I agree with Desiree that it is priced right to me, though, because some mixers can get uh, expensive because I really wanted the SSL Sigma because the summing mixer is, you know, it's essentially a, a recording console without your faders and channel strips and all that. But the SSL one is 4,500, I think, <laughs> or 4,000, something like that. So let's see what's next on here. A waves in X ocean way, Nashville. Anybody get a chance to, to check this one out? Was uh, well, you kick it off because we all know that you already probably have it, probably used it at least three or four times already. So you p- school us, man. Put us on game. Do I have it? Yes. Have I used it? No. I don't mix in headphones, and you know how I feel about mixing in headphones. <laughs> mm, yeah. So uh, the the only reason only reason I purchased it is because. It was Ocean Way, <laughs> Ocean Way, Nashville. So I've been in that studio before. Yeah. So I just thought that it was cool that they're modeling a studio that I've been in a few times. Uh, but yeah, I don't, mixing in headphones, I will, there is no reason for me to not mix in my studio. If I'm out of town and you want something mixed, then I'm waiting till I come back to Nashville to mix your song. I'm not doing it on headphones. But using it, it does give you a kind of creepy but it does make you feel like you're in a space when you're listening on the headphones through the plug-in so now you know the question is will that make my mix better and so Mm. what i am going to do as a follow-up to the review that i did for it is i'm gonna take a mix one day and i'm gonna mix it on speakers and then i'm i'll wait like a month so i can kind of forget everything i did and then I'm going to mix it on headphones and then compare the two. See, but now I don't see, but the, the flaw in doing it that way, right. Is that you're not comparing apples to apples. Like there's no guarantee that when you mix it the next month that you're even going to follow, you know, use, use the same approach. So I wonder what it would sound like. Just take the mix and then just play it in speakers versus on headphones and then do it that other way to see how listening in headphones may alter your approach. Like, does that make sense? No. So you're oh. saying mix it in headphones first? No, I'm saying. Cause so if, I do them, if, I, if I do them back to back, I'm going to have a, a sense of what I already did in the mix and right. we'll still be incorporating that. Right. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm talking about doing two different tests. Like one test needs to be an apples to apples. Like, man, you just mix it one time and hear how it sounds different on speaker versus headphones. So that's one test. But then the other test is to mix it on speakers and then mix it in headphones and see how that changes your approach, which subsequently will probably change the finished product as well. I hope. I hope that made more sense, but your laugh felt like it did. <laughs> if it didn't make sense, I'm just let it go. I'm not gonna try again. <laughs> Listeners, hopefully y'all y'all understand what I'm saying. I think that's what you're trying to say. And I think uh to Zara's point, maybe it's like I'ma just use my ears. And yes, the approach might be different when I mix in speakers versus headphones using the plug-in, but that's kind of the point is to have a whole new approach to it. Um, I would probably only check it out 
because Shannon Sanders was on the promotion. <laughs> um, that's like <laughs> the because it is Nashville, because it is a TSU alum represented and all those other things. I just might get it. I might still wait for a sale sale, not this continuum sale that they've had and pro- probably always have of everything being about $35. But um, I trust my speakers at this point. And also, too, what I notice in in their demos of having all those professionals like listen to it, they all had Behringer uh, pros. Uh, I think they had the the 990s or the what, 1990s. What, the Behringer or the Bayer Dynamic? Change? Bayer Dynamic. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bayer Dynamics. I'm about to say, say Behringer. <laughs> that's that's a whole nother. And 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 I'm that's glad like, I made that. Who, that's right. Who who you talking about as a TSU alum? Shannon Sanders. No, since when? Yeah, I think it was in the marching band, wasn't it? He he's definitely he's um. What? Uh, Where y'all get that from? From my own uh, five people. He's five. He played trumpet. Yeah, I'm For pretty. Real? I'm, I'm pretty he's sure she's ninety-two. Right. So he. Didn't he go to Fist though? I don't, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, he, he definitely marched in the band. But no, yeah. yeah, he you know TSU alum. We work at the same place. Like that's no, the only reason why I would check it out. Well, I need him to but, big that up a little more because that's the first time I heard that. Hey, really? matter of fact, it's this website. Yeah. It's this website like, called No Lie. It's the website yeah. called TSU Points of Pride, and it says Tennessee State University. We're one. And he's listed on his website. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I think I already knew that though. Like I said, that's the first time I ever heard it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think even with a plugin like that, it still depends on your listening environment. Like if you do have the NX Ocean Waves plugin, but you are mixing on Behringer headphones, on AKG headphones, on Philips headphones, you know what I mean? Is it really still going to give you that same effect? Like Zara said, will your mix still be that good? Because I think it all comes down to the mixing environment, regardless of what, what else you have going on. Now, we'll say they have a list of maybe about eight or 10 headphones uh, under uh, in the plugin that says headphone EQ. So if you have a certain uh, brand and model headphones, you can apply and their EQ that should make it, I assume, extremely flat. Mm. That makes sense. Kind of like a um, a sonar box, a sonar works, right. but for this sp- specific studio. Right mm. now, I'll also say that, that to me, this is better in a sense, than the, uh, the the Slate headphones, because you got to buy four hundred dollar, um, was it you know four hundred dollar set of headphones to do this? And with you know with Waves, you can use any set of headphones for this. Let's see, what we've got next is another Waves product, Vocal Bender. This was just this just came out last week, and this one I've already reviewed this one as well. I'm excited i really didn't care about the nx nashville but this one was exciting to me because i can use it in the wave studio rack but the vocal blender which allows you to shift the pitch and formant of vocal i've been using uh sound toys little ultra boy to do this ever since uh that came out and uh, i've got a youtube video coming out comparing little ultra boy to waves vocal blender uh, just showing uh the differences between them but yeah, I'm. I like this vocal blender. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. I mean, I I like. Mm, Is it I blender like, or bender? Bender. I don't know. I keep saying. I think I said that in my YouTube video too. I, I keep saying blender. Or I know I said at least a uh, blender once, but yeah, bender. Vocal bender. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool. I love the. I love simplicity. Right. Like I feel like. Like we go to school or not go to school, we put all this time in that I feel like if anyone deserves a shortcut, right, and deserves to cheat and deserves simplicity, it's us. So it's like, look, I understand how all this stuff works, but I just need some real quick, right? So I, I like the simplicity of it, especially when you deal with a lot of hip hop artists, you know, on a not on a long-term basis, right? It's like just walking clients. Like you need something that you can just go to real quick, right? Like they come in saying, hey, man, can you make me sound like Travis Scott? Sure. 
turn two knob, boom, there you go. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is something I would definitely purchase. Um, the price is right, so it's not a huge hit on my wallet. And yeah, it, I mean, it looks sexy, so everybody already know where I'm coming from with that. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, it. You know, I'm dealing with people who always want some. Uh, they want to stand out. They want some little interesting an effect or something to make stuff stand out. And yeah, I think Vocal Bender really, you know, really does that. I and mean, even just, you know, throwing it on a word or something like that can make stuff sound out. I mean, like, you know, Kendrick has that sound. Ludacris has been using it. I, mean, I don't know what people were using before Little Alter Boy, but yeah, the ease and simplicity of this definitely is there. Mm, good stuff. All right, as we get into our uh, the news news segment here, which uh, Summer Nam 2021, it was announced that this will take place in person in Nashville. I think it's July 15th or June 15th. I forgot the exact dates. Uh, but the biggest thing, of course, is they're announcing it will be in person. At least that's the plan right now. We will see what happens because, of course, don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic. But I'm surprised and shocked that they've announced an in-person event here i'm i'm optimistic about it only because of the amount of vaccines that are coming out i mean i still think people in nashville aren't conducting themselves as they should with the level of caution and discretion as they should right so i still think you know i'm saying we might hit another spike or two but i think i mean by july I, you know what? I don't know. Now that I say it out loud, I'm like, but I don't know. The now, question is, if they have it in person, would we be willing to go? Yeah, that, that's the question. Now, and, uh, before we get into that, I will say that I heard Biden say a couple of days ago that by the end of July, uh, we should have something like 600 million doses of vaccines enough for the whole country. So who who would attend, or what would you think about attending an in-person event? In July. Um, considering that it's at the Music City, Center's, Music City Center, I probably would go. Because it's a lot of people, but it's so big that mm-hmm. you can space out. So It's true, too. I'll probably show up for a few minutes, you know. But they, always, yeah. they never got gear that I'm actually interested in. So it's yeah, like yeah. that's the thing about summer nam. It's like I don't know, seventy five percent instruments, and then like twenty five percent of the stuff that we care about. Right. I'm, I'm like, like, I don't give a darn about these guitars and pianos. <laughs> like, show me the drum machines, the software, the microphones. Yeah, I don't know, man. And you, you're talking about getting brands to show up. That's a lot of moving parts, man. It it really is like that. I'm I'm really surprised by um, by this announcement. You sound surprised and disappointed. <laughs> You're like, I'm really well, surprised. I'm I'm surprised by it, but I just as of right now, I just can't really see it being the typical turnout that Summer Nam mm. normally is. So it's like you're opening your your doors for this but how many people are going to show up and how many vendors are you going to get to show up as well cuz a lot of these vendors will have to travel to Nashville for this true so let me go around and yes sir yes or no would you attend some uh, in person nam event at this time or this summer we'll say uh, Pat? no O'Shea? i'm saying no as well Desiree? No, I probably would not uh, go in person. Czar, yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, if I get the vaccine, then I would go. If I'm, you know, if, if I'm vaccinated, I I would go. But that would be the only, the only way. Like I'm not risking getting sick to, yeah, to, to go down to the music city to look to look <laughs> to look at some gear you ain't even gonna like. Now did. They have announced it. I don't care what's going on. They gonna have it. You think so? Heck yeah! <laughs> it's just like All Star Weekend. They announced it. The NBA players like it's stupid. I don't want to go. They still having it. <laughs> Let's get into our kind of our headline topic here: is the passing of Rupert Neve, who's just been 
a legend and icon in in pro audio uh 94 years old uh definitely lived a long life and you know is a i guess tribute to rupert neve i'm speaking through my rupert neve uh, 511 pre right now but i'm just gonna quickly go over just some of his accomplishments and uh, just his career and life here so uh, neve neve was born in the uk he grew up in argentina i think until he was i think it's about 18 he was a radio operator during world war ii he started neve electronics in 1961 he built a console for Philips Recording Studio in London in 64. A lot of people don't know this, but he founded Focusrite, and that was in 1985. And in 2005, he founded Rupert Neve Designs, which is you know, the company he still owned until he passed. And um, yeah, up until his death, he was still hands-on with designing products at Rupert Neve Designs. Uh, looking at some of his achievements... Uh, won 23 Grammys, nominated 67 times. He's uh, one of three people to win a technical Grammy, uh, which was in 97. Uh, 16 uh, TEC awards, which are those awards that you get uh, at NAMM. Uh, seven Par Excellent Awards, and he was inducted to the Mix Magazine Hall of Fame in 89. Uh, so just want to ask everybody, you know, what do you think of when you hear the name Rupert Neve? First thing I think about, I go back to when I first went to Nashville in 05 to go to school for audio engineering, and we had a Neve. I believe it was uh, it was either a V3 or 88R console, right? So when I think about them, my mind just like transports back to you know 23 year old you know version of me being in audio engineering school, finally sitting at the at a mixing console that I've dreamed about pretty much since I was 13 years old. Right. So, so I think that name kind of is just part of, it's part of me fulfilling my dream as far as, you know, becoming or starting on the road to becoming an audio engineer. So um, that's what I think about. What about you, Desiree? Um, I kind of, no, I did have to do some research really on who knew, Rupert Neve was because from my perspective, um, the name, his name kind of comes like Kleenex, you know, it's a name, you know, it's a name that you are familiar with because you hear people using, you know, the latest Rupert Neve, this and that. Um, and I do kind of think of it like that too, where his name is that is, is just like the Kleenex brand. It's made such an impact on the industry, on the recording industry that, you know, you you um hear that name and you just think, oh, yeah, that's just kind of standard. You know, it's a recording uh, industry standard to have, you know, one of his designs or to at least know that the, the designs from that company are really uh, top shelf and pioneering. Because honestly, when I hear a name, I think expensive and but some of the best quality that you'll get. So. Um, and he's a true audiophile too. Looking into mm-hmm. him and how he just really went from getting better quality on radio receivers, like he cared that much about something not minuscule, but to other people not that important. So, mm-hmm. I I really do think about that. What about you, Pat? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm kind of like Desiree. I really didn't know much. I mean, more than anything, I've heard about the consoles. Mm-hmm. I've always. Uh, been a fan of the consoles. I probably only been in a room with one probably maybe once or twice. And I I think I've used the EQ, like a digital EQ a couple times. But I haven't used enough of his products. But I do understand. Sure, mainly because I couldn't afford them. <laughs> but uh I do yeah. I do stand by the quality of his products and I and I know what they mean. Like you you probably don't have too many conversations with any engineer without hearing his name or mm-hmm. a mention of any of his products. So I think that's an accomplishment in itself. 
Yeah. I mean, I when I hear Rupert Neeb, I I think of it's obviously the Neeb 1073, which is arguably the I don't say the best, but most, arguably the most, most popular, most popular Mike Pre or channel strip to date. Uh, everyone talks about you know the 1073, but when I hear Rupert Neeb, I think of so many clones. Like he has to have the most cloned Mike Pre ever. There is probably over 50, maybe even a hundred. I'll even put the number up there to a hundred just over time of how many people have cloned or tried to clone his Mike Pre's and none of them, I haven't used them all, but most of the ones I've used don't sound like a Neve. Um, but which is pretty crazy because you know, obviously I feel like the schematics are out there are available and people get the same parts, but I mean, it's almost like, a it's almost like a chef can give me those same ingredients that he used. Give me the ingredients and the recipe, but mine still won't taste like his, his or hers. And I kind of felt, you know, the same way with Neve and his Mike Pre's that, you know, so many people clone them, but it still doesn't, you know, still not going to sound the same, mm-hmm. but, but to be, to still be hands on at 94 years old, uh, still building gear and designing gear, like O'Shea, we were talking before we started, like that, that really has to be what you love because yeah. you never really, you know, he could have retired and, you know, went lived on a beach or, or whatever, but, you know, he chose to still, you know, come in day to day and help them design and build products. That's the dream right there. And I'll, I'll say this about Neve too. I'm not saying that there isn't another one, but has anyone ever met or heard of anyone else with the last name Neve? No, Is that I not haven't. odd? Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> now I have conspiracy theories about something I didn't even think about before. <laughs> mm. That is that that's odd to me. But um one, one more question here is you know, where do you think, you know, audio would be without his contributions? Mm. I mean, personally, I feel like somebody else would have, you know, stepped in and took the space. I mean, it's almost like saying, what if there wasn't a Michael Jordan? I mean, you know, somebody else would have, you know, eventually filled that role. But yeah, I I was about to say pretty much the same thing. Um, he found a he found a passion and he found a market and it just the two things came together seamlessly for him but I do think someone would have eventually found the need to create a better audio quality I think he was one of the first pioneers to say this can sound better and it should sound better let's let's make it sound better you know Mitchell Shea yeah um I mean I'm, I'm kind of like you it, it's hard to speak on it only because I felt like I was on the outside looking in right like I think somebody like like our friend and my mentor, Kelvin Grimble, he may be able to, you know, speak on it with more certainty or confidence, right? Cause he grew up, he's older than us. You know, he grew up using it for me. I can't really say, you know, f- for me, it was always a name. It's kind of like knowing the goats in a particular sport. Like you may have not grew up seeing a player play like kids nowadays. They know the name Jordan, but they don't know what it was like to be a kid watching him play on TV, right? But it's like they still respect the name. So that's kind of how I feel with Neve. It's like, it's like I respect the name in the history because I know just from stories and stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't have – other than when I was in school using it. But that was 15 years ago, right? Like I don't, I don't remember what it was like you know, on that console. And then we also have to, to think of how long he's been doing this and how long he's put out products that matter. He's constantly put out products over. I I can't do the math on that. I don't know. We're looking at what, 70 years, Mm. maybe that he's continued to this really push pro audio forward. Man, let let's do a moment of silence for Rupert Neve, um, for him as a person and just his family, because we know him as 
what he did for us in terms of products, but that was somebody's brother, father, grandfather, you know, et cetera. So let's do a little moment of silence for Rupert Neve. All right, man, pre appreciate y'all for um, taking that moment of silence with us here on the Faders Up podcast. We'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. Of course, this will be on our Facebook group for discussion. And uh, I'm Zar. I'm Pat. I am Desiree. And I'm O'Shea. Peace. Hey, Faders Up podcast listeners. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode, but let's keep the discussion going. Join our Facebook group at Faders Up Podcast to share your thoughts and opinions on today's topics and interact directly with the cast.